Sam. And this is Discontent, a podcast about nothing and for no one. And uh, we did some stuff this week, kind of. Right? Mm, Speak for Mm, yourself. Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess I can go I can go first of things that I did this week. Um, I watched The Great on Hulu in like a two day period, just like two five hour blocks of just the whole thing. Um, And it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. And there were a couple of things in there that were a little too close to home in the political environment that we're in. So this is the Catherine the Great show. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Al Fanning as Catherine the Great and uh, Nicholas Holt as Peter. And it's very good. The The supporting cast is all good and it's funny and it's it's very much like similar visual, well, similar vibes to The Favorite, but like not quite oh, as artsy. Okay. Like a little bit more like straight down the line of a comedy based in that time. I actually still haven't seen the favorite, but I, I really wanted to when I saw the trailers for it. The, I mean, the favorite was really good. It's just it's it's like if the favorite happened, but it didn't have like an auteur director and just had like a a director director that just like kind of did what did what was on the page because like the the favorite gets a little bit more like visually all over the place and like artsy and that kind of thing man it's unfortunate that delia still and i have still have to go because man that would be a good <laughs> segue of what if this movie didn't oh yeah that's true tour. um that's true <laughs> but uh, all right what else did you do Corey? <laughs> and then so i watched the great which was like i said very good i would definitely recommend and then i watched love in the time of corona no on Hulu. no and I regaled you guys already with some plot points, but uh, just for the people, it's it's for the people. It's not it's not <laughs> worth your time, probably, unless you're unless you just really have nothing else to do and you're just curious about. Like, there's a lot in it that's like relatable content in like the pandemic of it all, but. Other than that, it's really not like the the plot is like this is us kind of plots, but like not even that well crafted. <laughs> it's just like you know relationship drama between people living in the same house, and that's basically it. But we have enough I mean, of Les- that. <laughs> yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. is there. His wife is his real life wife because she's an actress, and they live together, and it's cute. Like my the most interesting thing about it was that they literally cast it by like. What actors live in the same house as each other that are already quarantining together that we could film them? And apparently they filmed by, like, literally having the director and a producer standing outside and then, like, put the camera on the porch and the people, like, wiped it off and then had, like, another person that wasn't an actor that lives there, like, film. Like, that was how it was done, apparently. Which the, So the process of doing it was more interesting to me than the actual plots were. That's the dumbest and weirdest thing i've ever heard yeah i don't know again it's just it's 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 very 2020 in a lot of ways and that's something it's something and it only lasted for i think two two hours cumulatively it was four it was four episodes that i think were like a half hour each but yeah i I can't say that it's really remarkable beyond just being real real quarantine the storylines weren't ever like resolved or Oh, no, they were over the course of two. It was basically like a movie that they just cut up into four episodes. Ah, so Um, it was like a Valentine's Day style. Yeah, there were... Jumping between different storylines. There were... were Yeah, there were four different families that they followed and like bounced back and forth between. 
Got it. It was, you know, whatever. It was not anything to write home about, but... I mean, I guess it's nice that, like, Leslie Odom Jr. got a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I support that, that's, generally. That's Yeah, that's nice. And uh, Tommy Dorfman is in it, too, who has been in a couple of other things, and I recognized them, I think. I think the character's non-binary, so I'm not sure if Tommy is, but uh, yeah, so that was, you know, it's, there are some people in it that are very recognizable. Tommy Dorfman's roommate is this impossibly beautiful brunette woman that I don't know who she is, but like, good for her. Um, (laughs) And yeah, there wasn't really anybody else that I recognized, but you know, again, if you need a way to kill two hours and you want to kind of stew in in the corona of it all. Yeah. It's, it's one way. Sh- sure. Do you, do you want to go mm. next, Delia? <laughs> mm. Yeah, speaking of bad things we watched this week, I watched Enola Holmes, <laughs> and I don't recommend it. It's very bad. It's a very bad movie. <laughs> so I, I did not watch it, but my recommendation is to go on Netflix's Facebook page and watch this <laughs> terrible, weird trailer they did. Where they tried to make some fight scene look like a video game, and it just sent me to another plane of existence with how bad it was. It's, honestly, the movie itself isn't much better. I mean, it's just, it was an all-over-the-place movie. They clearly had, they were like, we have to make this two hours long, Uh but then we don't have enough material for it. There's no narrative momentum that, like, keeps it going. Like, the whole plot is that She's, you know, the little sister of Sherlock Holmes. She, she's she been raised by her mom and like, their private estate. And then on, on her 16th birthday, she wakes up and her mom is gone. And it's, it's Helena Bottom Jr. It's, it's Helena Bottom Jr. who plays her mom, who is woefully underutilized because they never really resolve the thing with her mom. Because, like, the whole thing with her mom is that she's, like, a feminist revolutionary, <laughs> kind of. But, like... Her entire plot in the movie is she runs into a boy, like, immediately. Uh-huh. A little rich, like, noble boy. And then she of has course. to, like, she has to save his life multiple times. Uh-huh. And that's the entire plot of her thing. And then they fall in love. Uh, uh. <laughs> At the very end, like, her mom shows back up and is, like, doesn't explain why she had to leave. Doesn't explain <laughs> where she's, what she's doing now. They hug. And that's like it. And I'm like, this is not, this isn't a movie that you made. <laughs> like you're trying to set up for a sequel, but there's no information here. Like there's nothing here. <laughs> there's nothing to do. And also they, so like one of my least favorite like narrative devices is narrating into the camera. Oh, like no. I really, really, I find it very uncomfortable. And I think other than like Fleabag, which did it as well as it can be done, I don't like to see it and I don't enjoy it, especially when it's like sustained throughout the movie, which it is in this movie. And so like mm. every once in a while she just like turns into the camera and like narrates and I'm like, I don't like this, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like I don't I don't like when an actor looks me in the eye and talks <laughs> to me. It's very uncomfortable. It's why I would not go to like live theater if I knew it was interactive in any way. <laughs> like, my greatest fear in going to any live live theater is that someone is going to pick me out of the crowd and I'm going to have to, like, Like that John Riley sketch? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm going to have to... <laughs> uh. But yeah, basically, it's not good. Also, 
Obviously, the worst thing was that Henry Cavill was there playing <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, which I have is, a question a role, about that. It's a role he cannot play. Absolutely not. I heard that like they're under copyright yeah, they're, attack. They're being sued by because the because he's not because an he asshole. Has, because he has feelings is the what? <laughs> it's a Sherlock Holmes who has emotions, which apparently is not faithful to the Arthur Conan Doyle canon, according to the lawsuit. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't but, know, man. So but I don't understand how taking a character from a property and then changing something about that character it makes like is against copyright. It's like the terms. I'm not. I'm not a copyright lawyer. It's probably lawyer. like it's probably like when they gave them the rights to Sherlock Holmes. They had like a writer of like here's all the things that Sherlock yeah, Holmes they, can and cannot be. And yeah. I guess one of the things on the list was emotional. As I was watching the movie, there is one specific scene where like she's. Uh, Nola has been taken to like a boarding school because Mycroft is technically her guardian once her mom once their mom disappears, and so Seems she's against she's against her will at this boarding school, and it's obviously a horrible boarding school. Like the whole the like heavy handed feminism in this movie is absolutely intolerable. Like <laughs> I as I was I was watching it, I turned to she and I was like, why couldn't like clearly someone just needed to vet about how like Victorian gender roles were bad. And I'm like, why couldn't you just put that in a tweet instead of <laughs> wasting two hours of my life on this? But so she's in a boarding school and then Sherlock, Henry Cavill Sh Sherlock shows up and there's like one particular exchange they have where she like accuses him of being emotional and he doesn't deny it. And I think that's literally probably the crux of the lawsuit. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, as I was watching, I was like, okay, I understand where this is from, but this is stupid, and I can't believe it's still happening. It's This lawsuit, I bet, is going to drag on for months, and nothing's going to come of it. You know, I'm just glad that the estate of Arthur Conan Doyle is finally going to get some money, because, you know, I'm sure they've made zero dollars. It honestly feels like a publicity stunt for it this movie. It probably is. It probably is, because otherwise, it, it's just like... Like, my whole thing with how bad of a Sherlock Holmes Henry Cavill is, is way too tall, way too buff, too chiseled jawline, too yeah. clean-shaven, too well-spoken. Like, Sherlock Holmes is a big asshole who's addicted to heroin or whatever. Like, yeah. he's not your he's not your wholesome older brother figure. When I see <laughs> Sherlock Holmes boxing, I want to have a plausible reality that he's going to lose. And I don't yeah. think that's the case with Henry Super, Cavill. Superman isn't going to lose. <laughs> Superman's not going to lose. You have to <laughs> you have to really be worried that Sherlock's going to get his shit kicked in and there's no one on earth that could fight Henry Cavill. <laughs> no. <laughs> Henry Cavill is gigantic. He's huge. His, <laughs> his arms are probably bigger than my head. <laughs> like, also, he has his... He's... Like, as much as I dislike him playing Superman, he looks exactly like Superman. Yeah. In that he has, like, the teeth and the jaw and the chin and, and the, the little hair. curl of hair. Like, oh, pause, 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 pause. I just I just what? wanted to interject really quickly about love in the time of Corona. Oh, my oh God. God. <laughs> the, I, I, I told you guys this, that at one point, the incredibly pretty girl has a has, like, a virtual date on, like, a, you know, like, a FaceTime date 
with this boy who keeps talking about Batman versus Superman. Yes. Mm-hmm. He looks like a discount Henry Cavill. No! Oh. Like, it's literally the exact the exact same coloring, same face shape. Does he... He's like... He's discount Zac Efron from, uh, from the Power Rangers movie, but it's discount Henry Cavill. And then he talks about wanting to watch Justice League, and he's just very into the DC universe. So it was a choice by some casting director to cast... <sighs> fake Henry Cavill as this role. You know, in that fiction, he watches it as like self-insert fanboy porn. (laughs) Don't they all? Yeah. (laughs) But he has a reason to (laughs) self-insert. But anyway, as as we've as I've spoken about at length, I don't want to see more Henry Cavill in (laughs) roles that aren't where he isn't like dirty and greasy and doesn't talk like the only reason he's fine in The Witcher is that he's dirty and greasy and he doesn't talk. And that's good for me. And I don't like to see him as Superman. I definitely don't want to see him as Sherlock fucking Holmes. <laughs> like, what? What? Why? Why am I being subjected to this? I, I hate just, this. I'm very worried about specifically Millie Bobby Brown, but I guess anybody else who like gets really big on a Netflix show, because yeah. like, what does Netflix do to keep them there? Like how, how do they convince <laughs> them to do these things? Like Millie Bobby Brown is, is very talented and she could be doing anything else. And yet she's here doing this. I mean, she was not terrible. Like she was fine as an actress. It's mostly like the way it was shot. The whole like speaking to the camera thing is bad. Her actual scenes are fine. Like she's a good actress and she worked with what she had, but like, that's what I'm saying though. Like the whole thing, it was just, it's the whole conceit of it. It was just messy garbage. Like it needed several more drafts to be anything coherent. That's what I'm saying. Like, she's very talented. Why is she in this movie? <laughs> like, uh, what were you going to say, Corey? Uh, she she was a producer on that movie, I heard. Oh. So maybe it was just they were like, we'll give we'll let you get a producer credit and learn to be a producer I if you stay. Suppose. I just I, as I was watching, it, I was like, who is this movie for? Because I don't think it's for like young, like teenage girls because it's not that interesting like it's not there's not enough like teenage girl stuff in there for it to be like good but it's not for adults either because it's a little bit too juvenile but like it's just i'm like who who is the target audience for this who probably who watches moms this? moms maybe i guess moms with their kids that moms they think with daughters yeah. yeah it's I about it's like it's, white it's... white moms who are just learning about feminism maybe <laughs> like just now right now <laughs> uh, it's based off of a YA book series too, isn't it? I have no idea. I have to imagine the I books think. are better though, if that's the case. Yeah. So I didn't watch any Well, I didn't watch any <laughs> I watched Gossip Girl. I didn't watch any other bad media. Let me say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um I don't want to talk about Gossip Girl right now, maybe later. But so all of my anecdotes from the week come from real life experiences which i know is crazy um but (laughs) so as as you guys know sean and i have been really into the pokemon tcg lately because we're gonna die and uh a new set released on friday morning and so we went out like at 8 a.m to go pick up the new like like trainer boxes that come with that set and so Mm -hmm. like I had a a work meeting at nine. So I knew that if we went out and bought these, I wouldn't have time to like make myself breakfast. So I was like, Oh, I'll just run to the Wendy's. It's right next to my apartment and pick up like a breakfast sandwich or whatever. So we, we do that. We're in the drive-thru and I pull around the drive-thru and there's a cowboy taking the trash out. (laughs) (laughs) And I turned to Sean and I was like, is that a cowboy? (laughs) 
<laughs> he was like, yeah. And then we pull up to the uh, the window and the man at the window is dressed like Shmee from pa- Peter Pan. <laughs> and there's like a guy in the back that's dressed like uh, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and I was cool. just like, what's where what happened (laughs) (laughs) because i guess it was i guess it was costume day at the wendy's on september 25th (laughs) question mark question mark you know how you do a dress-up day a month and five days before halloween yeah maybe that's that's the version of maybe that's the version of casual friday <laughs> I I cannot explain to you the processes that my mind went through when I saw a cowboy taking the trash out though from the Wendy's. Like it was just, it was just so surreal to me that I didn't know what to do. I was like, does this man just dress like this? I had a moment where I was like, do all Wendy's aprons just look like cowboy clothes? Is that? <laughs> I was trying to rationalize it in my brain, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, but then also they gave Shmi the pirate gave me my order wrong two times so I had to wave my hands wantonly at the window twice to try and get Shmi the pirate to pay attention to me so that was my Friday morning in terms of food and then like for dinner Sean and I were like oh let's just order a pizza and like wings from Domino's because like that's that's kind of our go-to like we're lazy and let's get something it did not come for two and a half hours and so I canceled (laughs) it and then I went to the drive-through Donatos, and that was fine. But like, I called the the, the Domino's to ask like where it was, and the man on the other side of the phone. This is probably not going to make sense to to Corey, but he sounded like Jason Funderburger from Over the Garden Wall. Oh my god! He was like, he was like, I'm sorry, ma'am. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry about your pizza. <laughs> I was like. Sean was like telling me to like be angry and like you know tell them to that I don't want the pizza like just to like be firm and I was like I want to be firm and not let them step over all over me too but also this man sounds like he's on the verge of dying or something <laughs> he was like have a nice evening ma'am <laughs> just I just didn't know what to do with him uh so that was my my fun fun friday i guess uh and then yesterday we went pumpkin hunting and that was lovely masks were not required where we were but pretty much everybody was wearing them which was really uh nice and and reassuring i got to see some dogs dressed in fall clothes which i always love um (laughs) it was definitely a nice reprieve from costume day at the wendy's (laughs) Do was the cow? Do was the cowboy? Did the cowboy look enough like Woody that he and the Buzz Lightyear were dressed up together? Do you think? No, it was like a squat Hispanic man, and like he was wearing like mo- like mostly normal clothes, but then he had like this apron that like looked like a cowboy like t shirt, like you know, like it had like the the cow spots on it and like a little like uh bolo tie mm. on the apron and then he was wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and like a neckerchief that's disappointing <laughs> <laughs> i just think he decided to be a cowboy i don't i don't know i really wanted to ask but I, it was also 8 a.m and i knew that those people did not want to describe to me <laughs> what was happening <laughs> But yeah. Well, uh, I don't have a we good segue. But a, are we ready to talk about Inception? Talk about Inception. <laughs> uh, so it was like it was like it was a dream. There, I did it. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I'm still not convinced that we're gonna fill an hour with Inception because, again, if 
And for anyone that didn't listen to the last episode, we talked, we were discussing what to do for future episodes and Sam started to sing Wake Me Up When September Ends and I said that's not an idea for an episode that's not like a concept for an episode that's just a line of a song you're singing and then she sang it three more times while ignoring me and then we gave in to it so so everybody buckle up to incept incept me up when September ends because here we go That also doesn't mean anything. Incept me up when September ends. (laughs) Like the, I was, I was surprised as I was watching it. Like, I don't have a lot of memories of rewatching this movie a lot of times. And yet I felt like I knew so much of it so well. So I guess I just must have watched it a lot and then forgot. Which, like, is on brand, but... I think I've seen this movie upwards of ten times, so... So my thing was, like, I also had a lot of vivid, like, memories of this movie, but it's mostly, like, what I figured out about as I was watching this movie is, like, I forgot a bunch of, like, the details of the plot, because it doesn't actually matter. Most of what this movie is, is, like, the concept, the dreaming concept, and then just a lot of... Very bold visuals backed by an orchestral Wacky. soundtrack. Wacky like scenarios within dreams that yeah. have good cinematography. <laughs> which is, which is like, that's Christopher Nolan's thing. Like, a lot of this movie, the reason I think that I didn't... Like, this movie it was perfectly positioned for me to be, like, really into it, like Sam was. But yeah. the reason that, it, <laughs> that I wasn't... And that I didn't, like, delve deeply into the fan fiction for many years, like Sam did. <laughs> it's mostly because, like, Christopher Nolan, like, he's not a character-driven director or writer. Like, see Dunkirk where he doesn't name a yeah. single character. Or, like... Or like, te- or like the his newest movie, Tenet, which, by the way, just a tangent. The other day, I saw an I was I got an ad for Tenet on Instagram, and the ad, the whole hook of the ad was like, "Time to take your movie, your family back to the movie theaters." And I I got no. so angry that I reported the ad for being inappropriate because <laughs> I was you. like, "Fuck you, Chris Nolan, drag him." <laughs> but like. So from what I know of Tenet, which is very little, but like the protagonist is literally just called the protagonist. Like he doesn't have a name. That's which I'm like that's that's on brand, yeah. Because like Christopher Nolan, I love connecting to characters by not knowing anything about them. (laughs) Yeah, like like for this movie, almost none of the characters are like they're all just archetypes, and they're not like actually interesting in any way, and like. That's the way that Christopher Nolan writes. Like his, he has like a big idea, and for is for Inception, it's obviously like dreaming versus memory versus reality or whatever. And like, oh, he has a big idea, and then he needs to execute it, and then he fills it with just like these sort of Props. shadowy outlined figures that aren't yeah. actually important in any way. Like Leonardo DiCaprio is a very like archetypical protagonist, and like all of his angst or whatever is very sort of you can see the whole sketch of it like in the beginning right away and it doesn't like deviate from that his female characters are so like (laughs) paper thin (laughs) paper thin like basic plot devices like poor like ellen page did a great job but her name is ariadne (laughs) (laughs) because because she designs the maze and she spends the entire Mm -hmm. movie just like being an exposition machine 
for Leonardo yeah, I DiCaprio. Mean, she literally just stands around in cool ass outfits and yells at Leonardo DiCaprio. So like, I, I agree she could have been better utilized, but what a good job. Yeah, I mean, we know nothing about her as a character. She's just like, she is an architecture student. And then she spends the entire thing immediately yeah. berating Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. about his life choices. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like she could. She's a better actress. She could be better served by a different script. But I, I can't think of a better job than wearing a lot of scarves and yelling at Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> for tons and tons of money. Frankly, you know, so that's that's a good job. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt really gets to do everything. Yeah, in this he got movie. to do a lot of fun stuff. He got to do yeah. all the fun he, stuff in this movie, which I enjoy. He got to do the zero gravity. He got to do zero gravity. He got to do the hallway thing. He got to do the gay subtext. <laughs> He got to do the fight scenes. He got to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt can't have it all. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but so like, yeah, I, I totally agree that it's not, it's not the best movie in the world. And I will never, ever say that. I mean, I really, I enjoyed the movie. Like I still enjoyed it a yeah. lot when I rewatched it last night. Like it's a good, good movie. Like Christopher Nolan is good at doing this thing where he has like a big idea and he executes it well and it's very like as a moving go movie going experience it's very engaging and like yeah. that's why mm -hmm. i still remembered like the hallway stuff the elevator stuff the zero g stuff the fighting the snow like all of his the van on the van falling for a half hour backed by aggressive <laughs> orchestral like <laughs> Delia, I checked on your behalf. The van starts falling with 42 minutes left. Yeah, I know. It takes a whole <laughs> half hour to fall. <laughs> yeah, so I we were going to watch this last night, but Sean and I were playing Pokemon the TCG and we got really distracted. So we didn't stop until like 9.12. And I was like, there's no way I'm starting a two hour and 45 minute movie at like 9 p.m. So I got up this morning and watched it at 8 a.m., <laughs> making myself feel much like a an old man filled with regret waiting to die alone. Uh, but, and like, so Sean came down towards like the halfway point and he, I mean, he, he's not a big fan of the movie just because he thinks that it kind of breaks a lot of its own internal logic. And it does. Like, it's not, it's not tightly written. It's not tightly plotted out. Like, it's not very logical. Again, Christopher Nolan had a broad idea and like some very clear imagery in his head. He was like, I'm going to do this. And yeah. the, there's no logic or like internal reasoning that's in the, in the entire world that is going to fuck with this for me. That's like, fine. You know what? Do live your bliss. Right. But and like, so I think I think if I saw this movie now and like have watched it in the consecutive times, like as an, an adult, like maybe some of that stuff would have affected me. But this movie hit me. I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> I saw it in theaters. I was like in a big packed theater, like the weekend it came out. And I just like the first time I saw it, I just remember thinking that was so cool. <laughs> and, like, it just that 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 moment and that feeling is like what has cemented itself for me with regard to Inception. So like none of the very valid criticisms of this movie can prevent me from really loving this movie. <laughs> I get that. And like, I mean, I also to like yes all the characters are really really pale you know amalgams of humans but i did go and i read a lot of fan fiction about arthur and eve so their story yeah, well, in okay. my head <laughs> yeah it, i understand it's very fleshed out like <laughs> but like the i i do think it's funny the reason that that ship 
is like was like the shit for this movie was because like Tom Hardy was the only one who had any personality who got to do <laughs> like anything fun and like yes. he got to like shoot a big bazooka and like flirt Be a lot lady. with Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> yeah. like that's like yeah that's fun I get it like I understand because it's like no one else in that movie had a personality <laughs> no and like if I, I've read a lot of Arthur Ames fan fiction almost none of it takes place like yeah in of course all of it is like of AU. Inception. <laughs> yeah because like the canon is done like it's done it's it's, it's what it is it's done like it's not well, there's, interesting there's also to revisit like, it from what I remember, there's also like even very little like pre-canon stuff. Like it's just yeah. like they, people pluck the lines that are the most interesting uh, from the movie. Like the you need more imagination, the your condescension as always is appreciated, all that all that yeah. fun stuff. And they just put it in other more interesting stories. Yeah. And I love that. I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I understand. Those those specific lines work very well as like dumb flirtatious lines between two idiots, and that's why I like the relationship so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean um, they're basically blank slates that you can do anything yeah, with, which was exactly. which was the appeal of it. Yeah, I understand. Right. Um, Did you see that Tumblr post I shared that was like, Chris Nolan has made some pretty good movies and all, but he's just yes. so bad at writing and directing women, he accidentally puts the gayest subtext in all his films. Yes, that's, I mean, that's, yes. That's exactly what happened in this movie. Because, you know, they tried to do, there's like that one scene with Where, um, Arthur and Ariadne. Yeah. And it's like, mm. And they kiss and it's literally nothing. Yeah, it's, it's like negative chemistry. Yeah, it's like absolutely nothing. Like that, I think that actually that scene of all the scenes, I was like, why, why did this make the final cut of this movie? <laughs> like, like it, it literally feel... felt like an outtake. It did. And you can, like, feel, like, a dust ball rolling across the screen <laughs> as they're kissing. Like, on Ellen Page's face, like, that was the gayest she's ever been. <laughs> it's the gayest she's ever felt in their entire life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's wild. But, I mean, like I said, it just, this movie just hit me at the very right moment of me, like, just thinking it was the dopest thing I'd ever seen. I remember I listened to fucking Non Je No Regretterian like a million fucking times. I had the the soundtrack for Inception on my iPod, which I, yeah, I I've too. never had another s soundtrack on my phone other than maybe the Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> um, yeah, I did listen to the soundtrack for this movie a lot because that Mombasa track still slaps. It's a bop. It's a bop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah I I just I don't know what else to say about it other than like every time I watch it I'm like this is dope <laughs> in the back of my head so yeah I mean it's definitely one of those movies that like you if it hits you at the right like we were definitely at the right age of it like it being a I, I don't know how many movies I had seen before that that were very like conceptual in that way and you know executed like the 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 dream within a dream stuff is a lot to plot out and intricate. And again, the, I'm sure there are, you know, it, had we seen it later, the, the plot holes in that might be a little bit more glaring, but laying everything out and then everything coming to a head all at the same time. I don't know that I'd watched a ton of really complicated movies up until that point and maybe followed them as well. I mean, I, yeah, think, it, I'm, I think all the plot stuff 
in general works. Like it does work yeah. as long as you don't look at it too closely. Like all the yeah. like the timing, the kicks, it all it all works to an extent. Which like I can always be uh, relied upon to not think that hard about the science of something. Right. Yeah, and I like, think a lot of it can be hand waved away too is like, oh that's just not how the dream works. Like that's yeah, how yeah. that's how this dream works. And like the I, one thing that I I said out loud like five minutes of the movie, I was like the biggest plot hole of this entire movie is that when you get an IV inserted, <laughs> you notice it. You, you would not go to sleep and then wake up with an IV wound in your wrist and be like, that's normal. That's fine. <laughs> especially especially for the big heist, like 10 hours you had an IV in you. Like you would know you, your wrist would be sore for like three days. Yeah. That's the real technology. The real technology yeah, the real, was not the, real the, the serum. The real technology is like, is like, how did you get some sort of micro thin IV that any <laughs> anyone can just insert into their body? Because I don't think all of these people were like trained in how to insert an no. IV. And they're just no, putting I'm pretty sure at one themselves. point Ariadne does her own IV, and I'm yeah. like, girl, you just you were just an architecture student. Like, what yeah, are you you're doing? Like, you're like 19 years old. You can't. <laughs> again, you have no backstory as far as we know, but. You you don't you can't know how to put in you sure as hell weren't a medical student though (laughs) the the thing i think i forget about inception every single time i watch it is the line where they explain where the shared dreaming comes from and they're like oh yeah it's was controversial technology developed by the military so they could shoot each other every time i hear that line i roll my yeah that was the like she didn't want to watch the rewatch this with me but that was the one part of the movie he was in the room for and he was like oh then he left the room i mean truly it's so stupid they should have just left it out like it should have just been like an accepted thing that you don't think about where it came from because the idea of the military making this and then like eccentric billionaires co-opting it for corporate espionage like i mean i'll accept the corporate espionage for what it is but like the idea that someone stole the military's secret (laughs) dream technology i'm not about that part yeah i wish they had just let it be like there are some places where it's just so heavy-handed it's too much are you gonna talk about the pinwheel of fatherly love now (laughs) the pinwheel of fatherly (laughs) love (laughs) so this is Oh, hilarious. I, my, okay, this, it's actually my, my favorite part of, like, the whole hand-wavy plot thing is actually, like, how quickly they're just like, okay, we need to do a heist, and the core of the heist needs to be, like, some emotional catharsis. Cool. And, like, as I do, I, it was refreshing to have that sort of emotional clarity in a movie, and, like, with this gang of men who aren't, who don't <laughs> talk to each other very much. They were just like, yeah. yeah, emotional catharsis about your relationship with your dad. That's what we're aiming for. That's cool. important. Yeah. And then liter- literally the entire heist is like, we need to secretly put a pinwheel into the into the Killian Murphy's head. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's very convenient that Killian Murphy in all his uh, iterations throughout the dreams just has this one photo of his pinwheel dad. <laughs> it's like the oldest fucking photo. He must have several copies of it because he has one in his wallet and one that he puts on his dad's bedside it's not acknowledged that his dad even knows what this moment is <laughs> but it's a really big deal to Killian Murphy so much so that he grasps onto it at any moment at any chance like he has this mostly empty $500 wallet like it has yeah. like a and credit it, card it has ID. this old withered like sepia toned <laughs> photo in it 
Exactly. Like it's got his ID, money, and a credit card, and then the old weathered sepia tone photo of his dad in a pinwheel. Well, clearly it's the literal only day that he had that was a good he has one good yeah, has memory one of his good father. Memory of his father and he keeps it in his wallet. I mean it's good that someone took a picture that day, I guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, I do, yeah. I, I have an appreciation for it because it's very silly, but it like, it works. Like it's yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like the ultimate pared down version. Like there could have been a version of this movie where they spent a lot of time, like parsing it and figuring it out, but they kind of went immediately to it. And it, it's not something that needs to be addressed, which I think is fine. Like for this movie, yeah. like for this movie where like Killian Murphy's character is again, just a, like another plot device, obviously, yeah. like he's the mark. It's like... We don't need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think it, like you said, it's very simple. It makes sense. It's just a very funny in upon repeated viewings. It's just very hilarious to watch him pull this pinwheel out of the safe at the end. The entire like last 10 minutes where it's just like the aggressive music overlaying every (laughs) shot. And then it's him. He gets like, he gets like shocked into like consciousness in the third level yeah. of the dream. He really dream. bounces right back he, he from does. getting he shot bounces, in the chest, huh? He bounces yeah. right back up and then Tom Hardy's like, hey, get up, go. And he's like, cool, yeah. Get into that safe. <laughs> and he gets up, he goes to this gigantic safe. He says, he says, five, two, and it opens. And, <laughs> he does, and like, he's clearly, I, uh, I do think the part where like the dream stuff breaks down the most is in the third layer where they wake up and they start like, actively talking in front of him about the heist and he doesn't react to it at all i think that that's like that's where it really starts to break down because they have so little time and then they start speaking like right like we're in a dream we got to get the heist we're like we're they're like talking about it and he's right there and it's his brain that they're in yeah well so another i know another big like cinema sins ding type criticism that goes around about this movie is like does kaito not does his corporation not have a public face because like why would killian murphy not notice that the man holding him up in the taxi in the first scene is his business rival from japan (laughs) like yeah that's yeah that's something they don't even try and like hide who kaito is (laughs) and he's just like there and no one ever questions it so it's like are you really a public figure or are you some shadow man that runs a corporation from behind the scenes? Like what's yeah, his I feel deal? Like if this, like, I feel like there's definitely a version of this movie that Christopher Nolan wanted to be like maybe a half hour longer where with more, oh like, with more <laughs> Saito, like backstory, because like he, like at the beginning, like he's like the set, he's like the bookends of the movie. Like the first yeah. scene is him as an mm-hmm. old man in the dream. And then at the end it's, you know, him waking up, but like he's an old man filled with regret. <laughs> filled with dialogue. dialogue. <laughs> that's that's another thing. The reason that I remember so much of the dialogue is because they say it like seven times yeah, in the yeah, same like, movie. The reason that there it's because there's so little actual dialogue in the movie and they repeat a bunch of it. It's like very repetitive because they're in a dream. Yeah. Which is like understandable. But like the Saito thing, like, he's like, I think there was supposed to be more, like, emotional resonance for his character, being the one mm-hmm. who, like, you know, gets lost in limbo and lives out his, lives to be an old man in the dream or whatever. <laughs> right. But, like, the entire rest of the movie, there's, he all says almost nothing. He just 
He's just, dying the whole time. Yeah, he's, he's dying, dying the whole yeah. movie. Yeah, he, he blackmail he blackmails them into doing this this heist, and then he he bu- buys an airline. He buys an airline. Buys an airline, and then, <laughs> and then he gets shot immediately and is dying for two hours. And it's yeah. like what did it's we? Like they couldn't afford Ken Watanabe for this movie or yeah. something. <laughs> They couldn't afford. They couldn't afford him specifically, like delivering lines. Right. Like, yeah. They could only afford to have his body there and him like gasping right. dramatically. Yeah, they could wound. put a blood pack on his chest, and that's the only thing they could afford with Ken Watanabe. Yeah, they were like, he was like, I don't, I don't want to say anything, and he was. They were like, well, we can't, we we can't afford the English, the Japanese man speaking too much English, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'll do it. I'll do it for half price if I can be dying the whole time and not say much. <laughs> if I can, if I can throw a grenade at some point wordlessly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's really meant to like up the stakes of the heist, but it but just it, feels but it so. Does, but it also no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't because we don't know anything about him. So like, who cares if he dies? Exactly. Yeah. The only the only threat <laughs> is that Dom will be arrested. Yeah. But also if, just just run away. <laughs> you got out once. Just figure it out, dude. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's yeah. The stakes are clear. Like I don't, I don't know what it is about. Like despite how many times they reinforce that, like for for Dom, like he needs to get back to his children. He's got to see his children's faces. Like for some reason, there's absolutely zero emotional resonance for that. Like as like the stakes of this movie. Like I don't care about his fucking kids at all in this movie. The, also, Marion Cotillard is their mother. She would never have blonde children. Look at her coloring. Look at her. Look at her features. Those are not her kids. Those are some other woman's kids. Yeah, that's how we know it's a dream all along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those aren't his children. Dominic just made up those kids that look exactly like him and no one else, basically. I, it also did hit me because I forgot a bunch of the mouse stuff. Like, it hit me mm-hmm. a lot harder, like, when she commits suicide. Because, like, I don't think it resonated for me as a teenager, but, like, as an adult, I was like, man, this is rough. What if your wife just died for no reason because you well, fucked yeah, well, with no, her brain? What if, what if your wife died because you internally, like, gaslit yeah. her? Yeah. Yeah, I actually do think that the that plot line, like, it hits, I think it's I actually like it pretty hits, strong. Like, yeah, I feel like it hits a lot harder now than it did then, uh-huh. like, in this political climate i think it actually hits harder now yeah but like the idea that just i think the writing that like the reason he knows inception works is because he's been living his whole life in guilt like it just it just works yeah um and like when when they're confronting each other at the end the true like i mean mary katiar she's a very very good actress also um Mm -hmm. but like you can see all of the like legitimate pain on her face when she realizes that like the reason she killed herself is because dom incepted her yeah it's just yeah it just it's just very emotional and works for me yeah it's like the only thing about that entire movie that like is sympathetic like makes me sympathetic to dom as a character like, it's the only yeah. part that, like, actually resonates, because the rest of it was so, like, I enjoy the heist genre, but I felt like, for most of the movie, he's, like, it's the reason they needed Ellen Page to, like, prod him repeatedly into, like, doing things and revealing things, because, like, he, for, like, most of the movie, it feels like Leonardo DiCaprio isn't 
isn't hasn't realized anything about this like the, <laughs> right. the moment it's revealed it feels like also the moment that he, he as, a, it. As, as both an actor and character learned it yeah don't think about your trauma too hard yeah. until someone else points it out to you <laughs> yeah until a teenager a teenager busts into your head what would uh michael kane have done if he got arrested at the airport would he have just left <laughs> Yeah, for me, like, you know, the end, like, the is he still dreaming, whatever, like, the thing that's most convincing for him still being a dream is how did Michael Caine get there so fast and why was he there? Well, I'm guessing, like, he called him and was like, I'll be in L.A. in 10 hours. Just get ready for some shit. Yeah, like, either, hey, dad, I either will need a ride from the airport or I will be in prison. But, like, the last time they saw Michael Caine, weren't they, like, they were like in, in France. France. In Paris. Yeah, yeah they in were France. like in yeah. France and he was like actively teaching, right? Why did he? He I just guess like, he just I guess he just, on a play. <laughs> I guess he just flew to LA just in case they didn't get arrested. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. I don't understand. Like, I, I, I thought about that when I was watching it too. And I was like, well, okay, so does Michael Caine like go to France occasionally to teach? And come home and live with, like, because it is that his house where the children are staying? No, no I think, that's no, Don like, and Mal's house. Yeah, and Don I and guess, Mal's house, and I think it's her mom who's taking care of the kids, because he's okay. he was on the phone call with his kids, and yeah. he said, like, can you put your grandma on? And they were like, but Michael they, she Kane doesn't is- want to talk to But Michael Caine wasn't there, he was in France. Yeah, but Michael right. Caine is supposed to be Marion Cotillard's dad, I think. Yeah. I think right? so. So I guess that they're, Maybe. I guess that Mary and Cotillard's parents just live separately. I guess. <laughs> one lives okay. in France and one lives in the US. I don't know. I guess. Um, but I mean, I guess it's convenient too that they apparently live in LA. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a pretty fucking big house for LA. <laughs> I think, again, this is just where all the, the little, the, all the little plot details where the movie falls apart, but my brain's just like, shh, don't think about it too hard, too, too hard. Well, okay, but so the big question at the end is do like do you think does the top fall over is he dreaming or not? I think so. I I think it does. I've yeah. always I've always thought so. I because the the idea that all of it has been a dream is like it's too, too much. Too, much. <laughs> too much. And it makes me yeah. it makes me too angry to contemplate. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also there's the whole theory about how like Dom's uh, totem isn't actually Mal's top it's his children's faces and that's mm-hmm. why you never see the kids faces in the rest of the movie mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of lore explainer yeah, videos I, <laughs> I get that I guess I mean so yeah there's a lot of I think there's more evidence to it being not a dream than there is yeah. to it being a dream and I think that that ending is just like a a little last Christopher Nolan ooh I wonder <laughs> yeah yeah well, and also like who, like wh- whose dream, like I don't. If you get out, so if you get out of limbo, and he clearly like got back to the world, I, like I don't even. Yeah, I don't understand the mechanics of where, where the movie would have started if it ended up in that same place, and that same place was a dream. Because whose dream is it? You know. Uh, uh, but I guess that's that's the uh, whole point. Uh, Again, yeah, I mean. They- it, Best to not think about it, I guess. Right. I mean, it's it's confusing to think about how you wouldn't be able to realize you were in limbo because you were literally building and constructing the yeah, I mean, fabric the, of your life. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to cast uncertainty into, like, was Mal actually right the whole time? Like, was it an, another layer of the dream that she escaped and he still hasn't? But, right, right. like, I uh, it it doesn't work like thematically if it's true yeah. it doesn't like connect no, yeah. the same way 
it kind of breaks down all of the like hero's journey elements of yeah. the movie as well. Like if Leonardo DiCaprio ended up where he started, <laughs> it kind of makes it an unsatisfying film to, in its totality. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's I think that it's real life. He would ultimately have to wake up and his wife would be alive in the real world, but he would have been like, I accidentally gaslit and made you kill yourself you. in yeah. the dream several times. So I guess we have to get a divorce now. <laughs> I, I created the idea of Inception in my dream, carried it out twice. Now to, I'm alive. Against, against you, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and caused your death multiple times. So I guess... We're, and I also we, dreamed up this man named Saito, and he had a quest for me. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, but I mean, again, there's just a lot about this movie that, for my soft, soft brain, slaps so very yeah, hard. I mean, I, I was trying to remember how many times. I definitely saw it in theater at least once, and I know that we all saw it at the drive-in once, because I distinctly remember, like, after watching it, it was at least the second or third time I had seen it, and we were driving home at, like, I don't know, one thirty in the morning from the drive-in, and I remember, like, looking out into the window at the, like, night around us and just thinking about that spinning top, and then I fell asleep. <laughs> and I have that distinct, like, visceral memory, so I know that yeah. that film affected me in some way. <laughs> I, I know I saw it four times in theaters. I don't remember who I saw it with, but the reason I know that is because you, Delia, bought me an Inception poster yep. for my like birthday in 2011, maybe, or something <laughs> like that. And I had my ticket stubs like in the corner, in the bottom of the the, fo the, the frame of the yep. poster. But I, <laughs> I have to imagine I saw it with you guys most of the times I saw it because I yeah, simply I mean, had I, no other friends at the time. I definitely saw it like two or three times total when like when it came out yeah I, I i could not tell you i'm sure that i was there for at least some of those times i don't but i do know that last night when we were we were hanging out with some of our friends from high school virtually and we mentioned that you were watching inception for the podcast and kate goes again <laughs> <laughs> what about me <laughs> yeah about about us talking about inception i guess i don't know <laughs> about all of it <laughs> About all so of it. clearly it happened a lot, I and mean, I just it, don't remember it, is, it. I guess it's fitting that we rewatched Inception because it's the 10-year anniversary of it. Yeah, it actually probably yeah, came true. out in, like, September yeah, or something Yeah, it probably like came that. out around now, yeah. Well, hey, this is our 10-year Inception <laughs> 10-year Inception No, like, I was, I was deeply into it. So I own the shooting script of Inception as a book. Like, oh I God. was... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was obsessed with it. That 2010 <laughs> period was, like, the RDJ Sherlock Holmes came out in, like, 2009, I think. That mm -hmm. was the only thing I thought about for a year. Then this came out, and that was the only <laughs> thing I thought about for two years. <laughs> and then I was in college. When did X-Men First Class come out? I think it came out like, in 2011. Okay. I feel like, cause I feel, right? I feel like I almost got like as deeply as Sam into this, but I was probably distracted by some yeah. other fandom that I was in at the time. And so it came I out didn't, in 2011. yeah, I didn't quite get into it as long or as deeply. Yeah. So that just means there was a two year, a period where I was only thinking about inception in first class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, do we have anything else that we want to say about Inception, or do we want to move on to our recommendations? I mean, I'm su I'm surprised we talked about Inception for a full half hour. That seems yeah. like it's, that seems like more. This was always bound to happen for me, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. 
Well, so we decided to uh, give some recommendations of other things that people in Inception have done. Uh, Sam, do you want to go first? Delia, you go last because you haven't yeah, I put haven't one in yet. <laughs> so yeah, mine is a, a movie that Tom Hardy is in, and it's a Guy Ritchie film called Rock and Rolla from 2008, I think. It's also a heisty type movie. It's been a while since I've watched that. Yeah, Gerard Butler's like a, yeah. a, a shyster, and they go up against a <laughs> Russian gangster. I don't remember. I remember it being a lot of fun, though. Um, Tom Hardy plays a character named Handsome Bob, and I just like that <laughs> idea. It's been super long since I saw it, too, yeah, and I, I don't remember we, much I think of the plot. we watched it probably like a few years after it came out, like during that high school era. Yeah, probably. We wa- I recall watching it, and I'm pretty sure you were in the room. During my inception phase, I also watched like every single thing Tom Hardy had ever been in. So makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I can't, I have no idea if it's a good movie. I don't remember much about it, but I think I liked it at the time. So that's my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> a glowing review. <laughs> so mine is, okay, first of all, I knew that the guy that played Uncle Peter in this movie looked super familiar to me and I could never place why still after all this time. And then I was looking at the IMDb page to like figure out, oh, like what can I recommend? And turns out it's Tom Berenger, which is a name that I know from one specific movie, only one specific movie. (laughs) And it is 1985's Rustler's Rhapsody, which is a send up of spaghetti westerns wherein Tom Berenger plays a character named Rex O'Houlihan, the singing cowboy. (laughs) Cool. It is a, I have watched that movie so many times with my father and it is very dumb and it is very funny and it's probably problematic. I can't remember. I'm what sure it has recommendations to be. this week, guys. No one's going to watch these movies for recommending. But it's one of those movies that, like, I've watched it so many times as a kid, like, so many times as a kid, that I just can't believe that I did not place that that was Tom Berenger in this movie. But if if you like if you like westerns and if you like you know parodies, it's it's a it is a parody of spaghetti westerns that is very nonsensical but in a fun way. And that's my recommendation. <laughs> um, I want to recommend something that Ellen Page has been in that's not like Juno or Whip It or whatever, like things that are older. But I haven't seen any of the stuff she's been in more recently. So I'm just going to recommend Ellen Page as a person and a concept. And yeah, like, that. <laughs> like go, go follow her on Instagram where she just like hangs out with her wife and they do stuff. She it's had nice. a documentary recently where she went across America yeah, yeah. talking about it, queer it was stuff, called, right? Uh, Gaycation. Gaycation. Yeah. yeah. It's like a documentary series. It was on Viceland. Um, she and her co-host, who I don't remember the name of, um, they just like go and explore like queer culture around the world. So that sounds cool. I haven't seen it, but sounds cool. Yeah, me neither, but I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would recommend the Umbrella Academy, except I did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's which is like the most. It's like the most recent thing I've seen her in, but I did not enjoy the Umbrella Academy, so I can't recommend it. People keep telling me to watch. That. I know people like it, but I I read the uh, graphic novels before it came out, and I just liked the graphic novels so much better. And I just didn't. I just didn't enjoy it translated into live action. I it didn't work for me. 
So yeah. I'm not into sometimes, it. Sometimes reading the book first is not always the best idea. Well, the books yeah. are really good. I recommend the books, <laughs> not, that they're rec- not that they're related to Ellen Page or anything. <laughs> they were written by uh, Gerard Way, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're very good. I've well, read the, the entire series now. It's very good. Uh, Gerard Way. Gerard Way's life is good. I enjoy him. What I know, any do I have any reason to know who that is? Because I don't think I do. He's the lead singer of, uh, fuck, what's the name? Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade. Welcome to the Black Parade. <laughs> to the uh, My Chemical Romance. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? He's okay. the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Oh. And he does comics now. Interesting. There have been a lot of people that have, like, written comics that I was like, huh. I hear their names as, like, the people that are writing a certain, you know, arc. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know that you did comics but okay he's really into manga too yeah not not always a good thing because jj abrams has did a recently did a spider-man miniseries and it's garbage it's hot garbage (laughs) i hate him because jj abrams is bad i hate him (laughs) anyway is that is this the end of the episode yeah Yeah. i think we're i think we're up we said about all there is to say (laughs) end Um, of the episode i hate jj abrams done Bye. I mean, that's a pretty consistent place to end, I think. Um, do we know what we're doing next week to, to like, uh, plug what oh, we're doing next uh, week? Here's our calendar. VenomCast. Didn't we make a plan? VenomCast! Yeah, get to watch Venom, Venom again. Yes. I own it. Yeah. So, <laughs> speaking Tom Hardy. of... We're, Tom Hardy on a yeah. roll. <laughs> yeah. So, we're just going to continue the Tom Hardy of it all and uh, talk about Venom. So, look forward to that. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week, I think. This has been Discontent, a podcast about nothing and for no one. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Discontent Podcast and on Twitter at Discontent Cast. And uh, leave us a review, I guess. I, I hate saying so. that every time. It makes me very unhappy to say it. Leave us a review with a dream that you had within a dream. Well, if you don't want to leave a review of us, you can leave a review for our theme song, which is South of France by the Swing Ninjas, and tell them that they're really good, but that they shouldn't let us use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good week. Uh, XOXO, okay. no. XOXO, <laughs> XOXO. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>